Hi, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast, recorded Friday, October 14th. On this week's edition, we're going to talk about the search for the next University of Arkansas Chancellor, the latest on Arkansas public officials' transphobia, and Mike Huckabee meddling in the Litterock mayoral election. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Afternoon. So uh, there's, for a long time, the University of Arkansas has been searching for a chancellor to replace Joe Steinmetz, who uh, resigned abruptly last year. Uh, Interim Chancellor Charles Robinson, the former provost, has has been in that position for I guess nearly a year. He's one of the candidates. Yeah, four, four, fourteen months. Yeah. There's a handful of others, but uh, as as you reported this week, it has come down to Robinson and another candidate who has a computer science background, and the board is split. And university president Donald Bobbitt is favoring the computer science guy. Tell us more. Well, it's a mess. Uh, it it develops that and, and let's give credit where credit's due the first guy who broke some of this story was wally hall of all people who i think his football sources are were on to it and wally's all for charles robinson who's been provost for 14 months he's an african-american uh he's viewed as good for recruiting athletes in, in that role which but there are other reasons to like him or at least his supporters say they He's uh, endured 14 months. The campus has grown in enrollment. Uh, the students seem to love him. The faculty seems to like him. Uh, he seems to have done a competent job to the extent we're able to know these things. And uh, he has some significant support in the major corporate world. Uh, the Tyson people, the J.B. Hunt people. Uh, I've got some FOI material today that included some other big names, David Pryor, a number of former members of the UA Board of Trees, trustees, influential banker, Rainey Rutledge have all written glowing letters of endorsement, Bill Dillard, the department store CEO. But on the other side, the other candidate of the four who seems, who is definitely, we learned from an email I obtained today, uh, University President Donald Bobbitt's choice is a guy named Daniel Reed, who's a computer professor at the University of Utah and a former provost up there and who does have a somewhat slender Arkansas tie. He grew up in Mammoth Spring and graduated from high school there, but has been gone ever since. He may have spent one year at Harding University, I think somebody told me, before he went to Missouri School for the Mines and then went on and got his other degrees. The story goes that that Bobbitt is is enamored of Daniel Reed because of his computer acumen, that that's the future is computers. And and he has the significant support, I'm told reliably, of a guy that Walton's hired and spent a bunch of money to bring in and be a think tanker in, in Northwest Arkansas, a guy named Ross Duvall. And so you've kind of got the a rare split in Northwest Arkansas with some very big names on different sides of the fence on this. The Walton's the biggest in terms of all of a lot of those people giving a lot of money to the university, but none more so than the Walton's. Uh, so, and it was explained to me that this board is split five, five, and that it's kind of a Bentonville faction versus a couple of old jocks, uh, Tommy uh, Boyer and Steve Cox, and then Sheffield Nelson and, Cliff Gibson from Monticello and 
and uh, those are supposedly the ones back in Robinson. And the way the system, they had a three-hour meeting at the end of September where they couldn't come to an agreement. And uh, they met two hours again today. And I think they met two hours a day, an hour and a half, or really about 12 hours after I'd spilled a lot of the beans about what was going on. And I'm sure that left a lot of uncomfortable. Some of my previous sources have suddenly dried up for the time being. I I suspect somebody has read the riot act of the board, which I want to say is not my sources, but but I could guess that perhaps some of them are sources of my sources. I don't know that for a fact, but that would be my guess. So anyway, they're going to meet further at some undisclosed time. Uh, the, the university policy says that they can consider a chancellor only on the recommendation of the president. Clearly, Reed is his his choice. There was some murmuring I heard this morning that feelings are running very high on the board and that there might be a movement to vote to hire Robinson that somehow they'd got enough votes to split to end the 5-5 deadlock and vote for Robinson, whether the policy said so or not, that would be something akin to a vote of no confidence in the president. Uh, I would say already the fact that he clearly has adopted a favorite in this race and they haven't been willing to accept it is already a, a vote of something less than full confidence in Bobbitt. Bob, but I must say, uh, on the on the computer front, his eversity initiative is was a pretty big flop and continues to be a flop. And so I'm I'm not ready to invest everything in the future of computers. Is you know it's who you hire to do things. And Robinson is a uh, a history professor by trade, but has been an administrator for years. But you know the Fayetteville campus is full of people who have all kinds of expertise and everything from electrical engineering to computers to French literature. And so I, I don't know. I, I don't know, Robinson. I, I don't, I really don't have a dog in this hunt particularly, but and you know me, I mean, uh, the vision is the meat and potatoes of journalism. So that's, that's kind of, that's kind of where we are today. And I, I don't really have a prediction about how they get out of this, to tell you the truth. Well, it's fascinating and we will definitely stay on it. Let's, let's move on though. And, and talk about, uh, big story that happened this week and one that's coming in the next couple weeks, and that is uh, Arkansas politicians trying to beat up on trans people. Uh, we we saw it. We continue to see it in the Conway School District. Conway School Board held a special meeting this week that was just awful. Uh, our reporter Deborah Hale Shelton was there covering it. Yeah, I mean, the school board up there has been taken over by religious right nuts and uh, who have adopt, who who are among the group, I think, are the leaders, but are not alone in this growing thing to demonize transgender people who, I'm sure I've said this before, I understand conventional people, if that's the word, if anybody in the world is conventional, don't fully understand transgenderism, maybe any more than they understand uh, homosexuality, although I think because there are more people who identify that way than transgender that they've, and they've come out more and people have 
are more accepting because they learn they have families who are gay or lesbian and what have you. But in any event, there's it's become an incredibly useful tool for the Republican Party, along with you have to add this whole issue of the schools have become a battleground and, and it's often rooted again in LGBT issues and the kind of books that are on shelves and kids being exposed to things that people don't want their kids exposed to. But the ugliness is just unbelievable at the Conway school board meeting. Somebody quoting the Bible, you know, said that that death is a solution for people of, of uh, other sexual identities, you know, and, and it's, and it's become a national story now. It's horrifying. And, and I, you know, I mean, Conway is going to be Conway unless they can vote these people out and it'll take years to do it. That's the way Conway schools are going to be. They're going to be a hellhole for, for gay kids and for the handful of transgender kids that, that go to school there. Uh, but the larger, you know, really the larger issue for me is still my mystification at how this has become so violent an issue. Again, I understand that I can't sit and understand these because I'm confirmed as what I am, you know. But, but except I believe it's that gender dysphoria is real and that homosexuality is real and I don't think these people are sinners or devils that should be killed. And I think there's a whole body of medical research and literature that tries to deal with this and all the accepted medical professionals say that's so, but we have people like attorney general, Leslie Rutledge, who's out there fighting in court to punish LGBT kids and is fighting hard to overturn the, the federal ruling that blocked the state law that prevents medical care for, for transgender children. And, and, and the disinformation on the other side, we don't do surgery here. Hormone treatment is not irreversible. Every legitimate medical source accepts this as, as, as sound science. And Leslie Rutledge's experts are a bunch of nuts. They're either religious nuts or they're people on the take to win money in court. Or there's somebody, or there are doctors who've never treated a transgender person, have no experience in it, done no research in it. One of them is a former plastic surgeon who now does a Botox clinic in a strip center next to a pizza hut. And, and of course, Leslie Rutledge was embarrassed on, on John Stewart, the show on Apple TV, about it. And that's become a national story, too. And, you know, I, I just think, God help Arkansas, you know. But I don't think I got to my main point, which is, our website, to a small degree, has been infected by the nuts on this side, the trolls who are now commenting and adopting really ugly names, and I'm blocking them where I can from doing this, and I'm, I'm blocking the disinformation they're trying to plant there. But they're really ugly. I mean, it's like the women that got assaulted after a Conway school board meeting. There are people talking in very violent terms, that, and, and, and transgender people are getting killed all over America because they're transgender, and, and I just don't know, and I don't hear people speaking up about this. You, you don't really hear the Jason Rapers of the world. I mean, you don't really hear and disagreeing that this is just, it's so unspeakable that just about any any reaction is justifiable in their view. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not happy about it. So Conway passed a policy that, uh, a restroom policy that requires uh, 
students to use the bathroom the associated with the gender they were born into. This has not been an issue at all about everybody's admission. Um, are are they likely oh, and to get they say you may use a single use restroom of which in the building which they held a school board meeting there is none. I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a policy without meaning because they don't have the facilities to accommodate, you know, but anyway. So are, are they this is a as I believe this is a unique policy uh, around the state. Do are they likely to get sued over this? Well, schools in other states have been school in Virginia have been sued successfully over a similar policy. I I would think there will eventually be a lawsuit. Uh, you know, I, I think I think part of the reason they're out there on this transgender care law is there's a there's a there's a critical court ruling in which neil gorsuch of all people came down on the progressive side that upheld an employment rights the that lgbt is 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 equates to sex and you can't discrimination based on sex and so discrimination against lgbt people is illegal in employment well Rutledge is in court arguing that doesn't apply to laws over such things as medical care for children. And if she's ultimately successful in that, well, that could roll down the hill on some of these school policies. They could say sexual discrimination is not what a school policy might be about a transgender child. That's a long way down the road. I mean, I, I think they're going to ultimately have to get to the Supreme Court on that question. but. But I mean, that's that's all of this stuff is kind of up in the air. I mean, but I think there's a lawsuit. I think under existing precedent, uh, they ought to win. Uh, but, you know, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals is very conservative and full of Republican appointees. And 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 popular sentiment is not very supportive. I mean, I, I think if you if you poll people, I think there's been movement on gay people. But I, I still think the public at large, if not full of rage about it, is not very sympathetic. So this federal lawsuit uh, that that's gonna the trial is gonna begin on Monday uh, over uh, a challenge to to an Arkansas law that bans gender affirming care for trans kids. Uh, it starts on Monday. Austin Bailey is going to be covering it for us. One big question I have, and I'm not sure this is an open question, is whether we're going to hear depositions from uh, Arkansas officials and legislators that r rumor is are very damning. Do you know? Well, I don't know. Uh, and, you know, the... Uh, they said they've said stupid stuff during the debate. I mean, you know, I mean, there's you don't need their depositions. I mean, the public record is damning enough. But there is this about the law that in, as a matter of Arkansas law. The only thing that matters is what the law says. That the debate legislative intent is measured only by the plain letter language of the law, not what anybody said in debate about the law. I mean, it cuts both ways. I mean, you know, you, there's sometimes things that are said in debate that are good for your side, 
sometimes bad for your side. Either way, it doesn't matter. The court is just supposed to strictly read the law and interpret what the law says on its face. So whether you can get a broader uh, reading on that in federal court, I don't know. All right. Well, we will. We're going to continue to cover the Conway School Board and its awfulness, and we'll be all over this federal case as well. Finally, uh, you broke the news this week that uh, a Mike Huckabee-affiliated PAC is the primary funding behind a shadowy group that's that's been running some misleading ads targeting uh, Mayor Frank Scott Jr. in the mayoral election. Yeah, there's what so they call an ind- independent expenditure committee, but it's it's majority funding comes from Mike Huckabee's PAC, and a bunch of the rest of the money comes from friends of Mike Huckabee. It seems like it's almost a Mike Huckabee initiative, and he doesn't talk to me, of course, but he proudly confirms it to somebody else that sure he's for it. It's all about crime in Little Rock. He doesn't live in Little Rock, by the way. His daughter does. He lives out near Roland. He moved back here uh, to be the shadow governor when his daughter takes the governor's mansion. I mean, the jackass is back. What what can you say? You know, I, why why he's why he's all in for Steve Landers, which effectively this ad is is anybody's guess, except for that. Steve Landers is effectively a Republican. And there is another effort that was begun that I wrote about last February, and they turned up in a filing again. They haven't bought any ads yet, but it's related to Republican consultant uh, from South Carolina and also John Park, who's an officer from the state Republican Party. And it's all about revitalizing Little Rock and doing something about the crime in Little Rock. And I think what it's all really about is to try and attack Little Rock as the last blue bastion in Arkansas. And if they can get a Republican in the mayor's office, that, that would be a big step forward in ending, ending the blue oasis in the center of the state. I mean, Fayetteville is already on the ropes, and it's really down to us and Eureka Springs. Eureka Springs is only about 2,000 people, so there you go. So that's the, that's the best thing I can see. And, I, you know, it's, it's just a horrible thought. I mean, as I said, I, I I repeat myself all the time, and I think I wrote in about two paragraphs this week where I am on the mayor's race. That is that city government is a disaster. Frank Scott has said and even done some good things, but he's an egotist. He's a bloviator. He has not been honest, and he's played old buddy politics, cronyism, worse than just about anybody else ever has. I think sometimes with the feeling well, hey, that's what the white guys did for a long time. Why should the black guys take care of their friends, too? I mean, and that's not an inaccurate statement, but two wrongs don't make a right, you know. And but, I mean, the notion of a city hall influenced by Mike Huckabee, I mean, that's that is a very powerful reason not to vote for Steve Landon. Yeah, I think the the revelation that Mike Huckabee is behind this is probably good news for well, I think absolutely good news for Frank Scott. Oh, absolutely, and 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 Frank Scott's using it in his his campaign messaging and his fundraising, and and I I think it certainly will fire up the people who are for him big time anyway. And I've already heard from people who were former Scott supporters who were with him 
against Landers, but then because of some of the recent scandals over Lit Fest and what have you, have been kind of on the fence. And I think Mike Huckabee just took him right back off. Took him right back off the fence. All right. Well, I'm sure we will return to this topic. Uh, I'm probably going to write something about about the mayor's race uh, before too long, but uh, let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. Oh well, I I don't know. I I, I bought a I bought an album. <laughs> Do they still call them albums? I don't know if they sure. call them that. <laughs> I didn't know what they call them. I bought it. I bought it from Apple, of course. I bought it digitally, but and I've only got two songs, but. It's Bruce Springsteen's homage to soul music, to only the strong survive, and that was that was good enough for me. A lot of my old favorites and a couple I've listened to are actually ones that I wasn't so familiar with from somewhat lesser known R and B artists, but uh, it's good stuff. It's uh, he's an old man, I'm an old man. That was the, I guess that was the pinnacle of my life about the late 1960s. Give me some Tyrone Davis and Jerry Butler and. I'm good to go. That sounds great. I haven't, I haven't heard that yet. Uh, but along those lines, you reminded me that uh, Dan Penn, the great Alabama-born singer-songwriter, blue-eyed soul man, uh, is coming to Whitewater Tavern. He's like 80 years old. So this is wow. probably one of the last times to potentially see him. He's He's coming... Sunday, October thirtieth. It's like mostly seated, so it would not. And it starts at seven, so you could you could make that. Um, uh, I maybe, saw. Maybe um, I should try this. Is is he? I, I'm not familiar with him. Is he? Is he a original so artist he, in the style of Blue Eyed Soul, or does he do old music? That's, yeah. So you are familiar with him. You you just probably don't know his name. He wrote "The Dark End of the Street," "Do oh, Right geez. Woman." Right man, cry like a baby. The letter. I mean, he oh, wrote. Jesus, yeah, he wrote. Dark he wrote into the street. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he wrote all, all maybe more good Southern soul songs than anyone else. But he's this white guy from Alabama, real country. I saw him about ten years ago at Hendrix. He's wearing his overalls and he's got an just incredibly thick uh, country accent, but can really belt. Uh, I would. I would strongly encourage you and everyone to search out the live album that he did with Spooner Oldham, who was one of his frequent collaborators, another uh, white guy that I think Oldham maybe was from Tennessee. Uh, they recorded a live album in Ireland 15 years ago or so, and it's got all those songs on it. And the concert at Hendrix a decade ago had that flavor. And I suspect that this will be you know, him and an acoustic guitar, maybe a little bit of backup, but it's mostly his voice and his storytelling. So I, I got to hear it. I mean, it's still one of the greatest memories of my life was listening to Percy Sledge sing Dark End of the Street in the Lakeshore Club, Lake Arthur, Louisiana. I'll, I'm going to head straight to Apple Music when we're done. All right. Yeah. But of, of course, the best Dark End of the Street is James Carr's. I bought some James Carr the other day, too, and he was somebody I missed in the time. He's fabulous. Yeah. I, no, bought, he, I bought two of his albums. He's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, he's great. I mean, Percy Sledge is is unimpeachable, but James Carr is, is really hard to beat, too. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe out there, and we'll be back next week. See you later.